0: Welcome to this Conveyancing Matters, May 2022, Conveyancing News Roundup. Welcome to Conveyancing Matters with Lorraine and Stu. Join us for a chat about all things property. So, Mr Forsdyke, how the hell are you?
1: I'm very good, thanks Lorraine. How are you?
0: Yes, I'm fine. Thank you. So we're uh, unbelievably actually already at our May 2022 Conveyancing Matters News Roundup. But to be honest you, there's really only there's really only one piece of conveyancing news this month, isn't there?
1: Oh, modesty will get you everywhere, won't it?
0: It will, yeah. So
1: yeah, so so we're obviously hot off the heels, you know, uh, last week our Conveyancing Matters live show uh, at the Hoxton Seven. Uh, It went well, didn't it?
0: Yeah, I'm really, really pleased. Um, It was, um, it was a great vibe. Um, We talked about new builds. um, And uh, yeah, it was just lovely to see so many people. um, uh, Very, very kind of our lovely friends at Move Reports to support us and come along and uh, buy everybody a drink. Our lovely, lovely boys, uh, Mike, Darren and Rich. Um, Yeah, I mean, I really enjoyed it. Did you?
1: Yeah, I did enjoy it. Yeah, I was a bit nervous beforehand, um, you know, speaking to sort of peers about a niche subject. Um, but yeah, no, it was, it was really interesting, wasn't it, to get different people's slants on different things and coming up with new ideas and just generally chatting.
0: Yeah, I mean, and I think and you made an interesting point too, actually, because um uh, again, a bit like convincing matters, really, we kind of had an idea in that, in in advance, what we thought it might be, because at the end of the day, it was a CPD event which attracted two CPD hours. But actually, um, it was as much about the networking, as mm. much about people getting to know each other, people from different parts of the industry having the opportunity to chat to each other. And I think that was as much a part of the evening as anything else, don't you?
1: Yeah, well, definitely. You know, we all forget we're, we're opposing each other most of the time, aren't we? Opposing lawyers, and therefore you know coming together to talk about sort of subject matters that affect us on a day-to-day basis is always really interesting isn't it
0: yeah and actually well of course it was nice to have a sort of nice mix of people and of course some lovely people that have supported us throughout our convention matters journey I mean Sean Spaulding came to see us obviously Duncan lovely Duncan from Gazelle the reservation agreement uh, company you know it was just really nice to have um, uh, people there who you know, we've, we've sort of seen on screen, but uh, not necessarily in the flesh. And, of course, lovely Ewan, who's now, he's, he's defecting, really, isn't he, from uh, from pure property to property litigation. And, of course, some of his observations and, and chats as we were talking, you were really interesting, weren't they? So
1: Yeah, definitely brought us some really valid points that I think, you know, even us had not really considered before. Yeah,
0: yeah. So, no, I, the, mean, I, mean, beauty, I mean... That's the
1: beauty, isn't it? That's the beauty about all getting together in one big room. Yeah. where you've got a relaxed forum to chat rather than something that may be sort of you know be pre-scripted or or you know um you know already uh, arranged in advance it's, it's the ability to sort of you know ad hoc and talk about subjects that you know we may never have thought about and go down roads that potentially we wouldn't have done otherwise
0: yeah exactly the conveyance in cul-de-sac as i call it although quite often Stu, when i'm teaching i go down the conveyance in cul-de-sac and then forget where i am and can't reverse back up but uh mm. But, no, I, you know, I really, really enjoyed it. And uh, and I think what we wanted to do was um was create a different vibe and a different feel for, yeah. you know, and not do a traditional CPD event. And I certainly would say, particularly given that we did it at Hoxton 7, which was lovely, um I, I think we achieved that, didn't we? Definitely,
1: definitely. It was certainly definitely. relaxed. And every, yeah, everyone seemed to have a really good time. And yeah. um, lots of people stayed for drinks after, didn't they? It's not as if everybody sort of ran out the door yes. as soon as it... Uh, as soon as it finished everyone was there to the bitter end some some more than mothers others than i add.
0: yeah i must admit i did wonder at one point whether you know we might end up just sort of talking you mean you in a room and five people by the end of it but uh, but no as you say everybody everybody stuck around which was um, which was great um and as you say really really seemed to enjoy it so i suppose well one question i have had that a couple of people asked you is um because we will be um making a, a you know a short webinar of the um of the points that were discussed on the night available to those that came um i've had a few questions will we be making that webinar available generally uh and i think we've concluded no we? no
1: no just generally it's, it's not fair on those that, that paid and turned up um so yeah it won't be something that's released we'll, we'll release odd, odd clips and stuff like that just so everyone gets a flavor but of course you know we will be doing another one later in the year and um you know if everybody's keen and they should be coming on to that one too
0: yeah, absolutely. I was going to say, yeah, I think we'll, we'll definitely off the back of that one, do another one. So, um, so sort of watch this space, uh, conveyances, um, uh, it would be lovely to see you. So, um, there's not really a lot of other news, Stu, apart from conveyancing matters no. live, uh, for, for, May 2022, but there are a few tidbits and, um, only in passing really, um, but the land registry is slightly baffling, um, migration of local land charges data continues. There's about 300 or so local authorities. They've got up to about 39 or 40 now. They're transferring the LLC1 data from the local authorities to the land registry. So they've still got a long way to go, but of course, those um, for those local authorities where the data has been transferred, the LLC1 part of your local search will now be supplied by the land reg, but your CON29 will remain um, you know being provided by the local authority or of course your search provider will deal with it if you've got a search provider but I mean it's a for information thing really um, you know I've come across it already in practice where you know we've already got split searches um, I just don't understand why this is a priority for the land reg I really really don't I think of all the of all the areas where they could have been um, spending their resources I have to be honest and say I haven't sort of watched their webinars telling me Um, you know, why they think it's such a great idea. But um, I just think, you know, there must be other priorities for the land registries, hard pressed resources. They do put up in the same breath, you know, data on how their applications are going and complex applications can still be taking eight to 12 months. So,
1: well, I think Why anybody uh, thought
0: millions of pounds worth of resources going into a migration of local land charges? Dave, I simply so don't know. But well, I think
1: you're hitting the nail on the head there, aren't they? It's, it's what affects us, you know, on the front line at the moment. Certainly, um, you know, there's too many clients that may be looking to flip properties and whatnot, and you know, having the sort of you know volume of registration still being outstanding uh, is not really helping the industry, is it?
0: No, no, not at all, not at all. Um. So yeah. Um. Again, a sort of an in-passing. I mean, I make a bit of a point um, when I put stuff in courses or in the practical lawyer, which I write most of every month, um, things that are definitely in force rather than things that might happen, because if we spent our time talking about the things that might happen, most of them never do. But, I mean, Michael Gove, Department of Leveling Up, sort of mentioned a bit of a blast from the past that most of our viewers won't, you know, have any... Um, reference points for at all Stu but apparently very much an early stage project but apparently there's been a suggestion that first time buyers Stu might be able to take out insurance against default so that they can get a mortgage so first time buyers being able to take out an insurance product uh, against default to essentially protect the lender in the event of uh, um, you know default by the first time buyer but Stu Sounds a little bit like the old mortgage guarantee indemnity policies to me I mean
1: are you a bit too young to remember them or oh, miles too young I can't remember <laughs> anything like that but
0: did you know tell you about
1: them well, once upon a time but um yeah, just' it's same old same old again, isn't it it's regurgitating the same stuff that didn't particularly work before um so you wonder why on earth it might work again it's maybe a lack of lack of forward thinking i, I to me it's just the same old stuff you know brought up again, isn't it
0: Yes. I mean, for, you know, for the benefit of the young people, mortgage guarantee indemnity policies were quite literally um, a product that, um, that borrowers had to, as, as a condition of the mortgage, take out, if, particularly if the loan to value was quite high. Um, and again, with exactly the same underlying premise, as I understand it, the policy was, you know, an insurance against default. But you know, they became a fairly discredited product, as indeed did endowment um, uh, insurance policies back in the day. And the lenders completely rode away from making any form of insurance a precondition of the mortgage because they didn't want to be tainted by, you know, having said to the, lender, the borrower, you have to get this product as a condition of this mortgage. So the lenders washed the hands of all that. Mm. Um, and, uh, and therefore you do wonder whether, <laughs> you know, whether they're going to clamber on board with, with potentially another
1: idea, whether you just would have—I mean, I, I've no idea of the figures, and I'm sure you know some of our viewers might uh, might make comment here. But you know, are you know people defaulting in terms of mortgages on on the up? Is that more than it was 20 years ago? Well, um, I—you know—where are we with that?
0: The reality is, well, I think the current market is that you know first-time buyers need such an enormous deposit. That I suppose part of the argument is um, given that you know property prices are—I don't know whether they're 55 grand higher than they were pre-pandemic. Um, so first-time buyers are simply just finding it incredibly hard to get on the, on, the more, on the ladder in the first place. So I suppose this product, the idea behind it is um, it's to presumably persuade lenders to um, uh, you know maybe lend more. But I think, and I you know I know you think I'm a bit of an old doomsayer. But, um, yeah, but you know the market has got to drop at some point I suspect you know um, mortgage defaults are going to be happening over the coming years if interest rates inflation cost of living all the stuff you know that we've talked about a little bit before if they all kick in and have an impact on the property market I think default will increase and of course what's interesting and also grim is that of course loads and loads of people still working in a, in conveyancing at at the, this present time haven't ever dealt with uh, default negative equity repossessions all of that no, um,
1: no. The only, but all. the major diff, there is a big obvious, obvious difference though and that is the amount of equity that people have in properties these days it's you know far far greater than yeah. it ever was you know 20 years ago and, and when the last recession came in so you know at the there have to be quite some dip for that to be a big thing I'd have thought
0: yeah yeah maybe you're right but anyway so the first time buyer insurance is a you know it's a watch this watch this space but sounds like sounds like a a 20 year old product being repackaged to me Stu. i just thought i'd mention um again something that might have sort of passed um conveyancing departments by particularly if you're a department that gets quite a lot of requisitions on your registrations um just briefly, really, the on its business gateway, the Land Reg has put up this quite nice little sort of table of application types, which sets out all of the application types. And basically, the point of it is to help firms uh, select the correct type of registration for their application on the business gateway so via the portal. So the idea, because obviously what's happening with registration, Stu, is that uh, on more complex registrations, The people making the applications are not correctly identifying, you know, whether it's a dealing, whether a transfer of part has an effect on, you know, the nature of the application. So it's literally quite a comprehensive table, stew that I think, you know, conveyancing heads, team heads or whatever, heads of department should be having a look at and making sure that those in their post-completion teams, you know, look at, because hopefully that will sort of reduce some requisitions. Don't really want to say any more about it than that, but I do think people at the top of the tree ought to be looking at this to make sure people in the post-completion team know what it is and know that it's there so um so what next Well,
1: i think one of the big things maybe um to talk about is the help to buy um and the various deadlines um that are going to be coming up towards the end of the year and of course you know it's been such a big thing hasn't it um and we've obviously you know talk about sort of stamp duty holidays and all that kind of thing which has stolen the limelight but but over the last few years one of the big significant so, lenses uh, has come into command, and It is help to buy, isn't it? Mm. You know, um, anybody that um, you know is new to the industry, uh, it's a matter of course now, isn't it? But of course, you know, how long? When did help to buy come in? Can you remember?
0: Uh, no, quite oh, a while I can't either.
1: But you know, but it's, it's,
0: it's it was first introduced by George Osborne, so that's a few years ago, isn't it? Yeah,
1: but the significance of it, and actually, you know, it was one of the big stimulants of the market, wasn't it? You know, it's one of the yeah. things that, that that did make a big difference. But of course, we are coming to the end, aren't we? Um, so those dates, um, I think we're October um, 2022, um, and then of course, you know, was that earlier than we expected? I think it is, isn't
0: it? Yeah, it is. I mean, again, for, for anybody that's been in a cave for the last few years, I mean, the help to buy equity loan, which is the sort of last man standing really on the help to buy products, is basically um, enables first time buyers to buy a new build property that you know with a five percent deposit essentially. Um, I mean, the admin is extraordinary. I mean, I don't think it's technically difficult. There's just an enormous amount of little nippy yeah. things that can trip you up, actually. But the point about it is that that whole scheme is due to end in March 2023, and um, the uh, and buyers must complete their purchase by the end of March 2023. Yeah. So it was thought that the deadline for applications for the scheme by buyers would be at the end of this year, the end of 2022. But Homes England has sort of slipped out on its website uh, a week or so ago, a couple of weeks ago, a new deadline. So, I mean, this will impact on conveyances to some extent because applications by the by the first time buyers for the help to buy equity loan scheme will now close at 6 p.m. on the 31st of October 2022. So that is earlier. That's a good couple of months earlier than um, than everybody originally thought. I suspect because the reality is that what looking at the help to buy data is telling everybody is that the reality is it's taken more than three months to get a help to buy equity loan transaction through. That's the bottom line. If you've got the complexity of a new build with the help to buy stuff layered on top, two charges, help to buy agent, report everything twice, slightly different lender requirements between the first lender and, and Homes England, you know, they take. I, my guess is they're taking more than three months so i suspect the idea is to sort of you know uh, stretch out the time frame mm-hmm. but um uh you know i think conveyances who, who particularly are particularly involved in the help to buy side of things need to um uh, make it clear to their clients if or potential clients that, that the scheme actually closes to, to new applicants, but on the thirty first of October, and those completions have got to be set up um, and done and finished. As things stand at the moment, by um, the end of March twenty twenty three. So um, I think your peak and trough points too that you've made very eloquently yeah. in the last eighteen months. I think next March could be uh, could be an absolute bun fun. fight. Could be an absolute bun fight, couldn't it? Um, and a- I mean,
1: March traditionally, end of March is a busy time anyway, isn't it? yeah um so adding this into the equation yeah it will be another another peak Um, yeah i think so
0: and also i think uh, and bless him it was actually your your lovely miles um who um you know gave me some really helpful information to uh because i did a you know um well the help to buy um uh, webinar that's um going to uh, that's accompanying our conveyancing matters live info but um uh and miles sort of said that you know one of the issues is that um if you go back to a help to buy agent on a point, your question, you know, if you have to go if they reject something, your, your matter just goes to the bottom of their list again and you have to work your way up. And I think that would just, that timing wise, I think it's just be a massive challenge for conveyances. Mm. I think if anybody's looking to instruct a conveyancer on a help to buy, you know, from the 1st of January onwards next year, I think the firm needs to look very carefully either at its fees or its timeframes yeah, of whether yeah. it wants to do the work, to be honest.
1: I'm yeah. No, definitely. Uh, it's the same, you know, it's, we're harking back to the stamp duty, aren't we, And the sort of terms and conditions and what you need to be telling everybody at certain points. Yeah. And uh, this is certainly going to be another big one we'll have to deal with.
0: So moving on, Stu, um, I don't think conveyancers should ever be encroaching on advice that surveyors give, but um, conveyancers might be interested that the RICS has given new guidance for surveyors on Japanese knockweed, uh, which actually came into force um, for their surveyors. Uh, uh from march this year um but you know what's your view too? i think you know the surveyors being told things by their professional body is one thing but
1: it's so difficult isn't it something like japanese not way because you know surely it's something that falls outside the the legal conveyancing remit but of course the innuendo <coughs> is that it's not you know we put it in our forms don't we it's in the property information form now you know we've loads wrote on it, it i mean the
0: law society yeah. when the last PIF was introduced put a great yeah. big section
1: on it yeah so we've, we've kind of like bought it in ourselves haven't we um and it's a one of those sort of conundrums we're bringing it in we're getting all the information on it and then we're going to tell all our clients oh we can't tell you about that because it's not in our remit um you know it's, it's got to be something that the surveyor deals with you know we've got absolutely no idea really uh what we're talking about in terms of the severity of something that may be there that may not be there and you know we just have to sort of make sure we sign it off properly with our client and the advice we give that you know this is a problem you need to seek you know proper advice from surveyors and experts in that field
0: yeah in the field or uh, uh, the back garden <laughs> well, um, yeah. yeah i mean our conveyances might want to have a look at the RICS guidance that's been introduced um i you know i think the reality is too that um uh, it, almost irrespective of the view the surveyors take, it's going to be the lenders that drive the requirements at the end yeah, of day, the end of day. Yeah, that. Yeah, um, you know, I think that's probably the issue there. Um the smallish thing: those people who use the portal every day are almost invariably aware of this, so I don't want to egg it over. Egg it, but something that I always thought was quite a risk for conveyances, um, the uh, the um, the land registries view my applications. Uh, function on the portal which only you know only that particular user could to, could view their own applications which as I say I always thought was a bit of a risk because if somebody you know left or was ill or on holiday then it would be harder for firms to track uh, what was happening on sort of you know other people's portals and and language applications but the language to be fair have listened to that so just in case firms haven't picked up on this yet view applications is what it's now called so from the 12th of May Um, the land registry have sort of increased the functionality um, and portal users can search their own applications and those of colleagues. And again, you know, I don't really want to say much more about it than that's due, um, but I just think that's a useful um, uh, amendment, really, um, to to that particular function. More
1: than than useful. That is something that that really helps us, yeah. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. Um, And I do think that's really... I've always seen it as a risk. um, And conveyance and firms and team leaders and heads of department just need to ensure that they're again their post-completion teams and indeed the fee is responsible for the damn files i might add um are aware uh so that uh you know um it, it's just easier to track the progress of land registry applications so you know view my applications has now become view applications so what next you anything else
1: um i think we were going to mention um a canadian company Dyer and durham weren't we um yeah. and they're sort of uh Potential buying up the world at this rate. Yes. Um,
0: buying up the search world.
1: That's it. Yeah, and um, I think we were saying off air, weren't we? That you know, it's um, they're now being discouraged uh, potentially uh, with some of their other acquisitions, and maybe what what we were saying earlier about you know potentially sort of you know what's happened abroad and prices going you know, up. And well, it's you know, a, a
0: cloud based platform, Canadian company, um, sort of swept up a lot of search firms over yeah. here in the UK. Um, including as far as I understand the index pi terra firma and they also their big acquisition in the middle of last year was the, the TM group but um, the competition and markets authority have sort of wheedled in and said um, uh, you know that they they think that's going to make um, Diane Durham too, too much of a big player in the mm-hmm. market and as a consequence of which they have um, uh, instructed at the moment Diane Durham to, to to get rid of TM group now TM group I think' have got some back like to the middle of August to to decide, you know, to decide what to do. They obviously object to the, you know, to the CMA's position, why wouldn't they? Um, But, you know, reporting what's happening elsewhere, um, uh, an online sort of business magazine, The Globe and Mail, is reported as saying that um, Diane Durham has drawn controversy for its pattern of buying dominant software vendors to lawyers and then sharply increasing prices whether they have that strategy over here, I haven't got a clue. But um, I, you know, conveyancing firms might just want to check who owns their search company. Uh, I suspect this may have happened. Diane Durham may have hoovered up quite a lot of search companies, possibly without even conveyancers at the front line knowing. And conveyancers might just want to check out what's going on with their search company. You know, I wanted to say no more about it than that, really, Stu. Um and, and maybe the last thing to to sort of finish this little month, sort of sweep up, because, as I say, really clearly there's nothing more important this month than Conveyance Matters Live, or possibly even this year, one might have to say. But um, lots of firms use WhatsApp now, thinking that it's end-to-end encrypted and therefore terribly safe as a means of communicating with clients. Um, and there's been some research that, you know, suggests that um, certainly the WhatsApp sort of consumer product and indeed business product might not be gdpr compliant um i don't know um but that's what the research suggests lots of firms rely on whatsapp as a communication tool with their clients and don't appear to know this
1: becoming bigger and bigger isn't it um, and yeah. the court the call for it is becoming greater and greater and you know setting up whatsapp groups um you know with agents with brokers with clients it's becoming something that the demand for it is, is certainly there isn't it um, but like we yeah. say you know, you must be really careful to be covering off this position in your T's and Cs um, because it's it's a complicated one.
0: Yeah, it is. And I just, you know, I'm certainly not going to make any sort of, you know, off the cuff comments on it. The only thing I would say to conveyancing firms, because uh, our constant refrain is if anything goes wrong, it will be you on the front line because you're, you're uh, insured. Um, and of course, if you set up the WhatsApp group, you know, it's you that's going to get the GDPR fine if you're not, if you're not compliant, is if you are not sure that your particular um whatsapp product and your terms and conditions as steve says aren't gdpr compliant then uh, you should you frankly you should be just getting specialist advice on it to make sure that they are um
1: i think this is the business um as well as the personal one isn't it it's both isn't it Yes.
0: yes there are issues around both according to and if anybody wants to look it up there's research that's reported by an organization called your business number so you know, I suppose in the interest of balance, some, one might say, well, you know, they would say that, wouldn't they? But you know, um, but um, irrespective of, of who said what in relation to research or otherwise, you know, our communications must be GDPR compliant. Um, you know, records of data must be obtained. You know, clients must be, have the right to be forgotten. They've got to opt in. TNCs must make it clear that there's a, you know, there's a positive opt in to a WhatsApp structure and if firms have just set up WhatsApp groups just on the basis of thinking it's end-to-end encrypted we're safe or we're suggesting is that is that you check really so Stu that's a bit of a sweeper up for um, May 2020 um, big bank holiday coming up, jubilee, bunting etc yeah. um, so I will see you uh, probably in about a week Okay. And hope you have a good long bank holiday. That's it. And um, and hopefully, fairly soon, we will have uh, another save the date.
1: For Fingers the crossed, that's it.
0: that's
1: it. Yeah, I hope all conveyances managed to have a nice little four day break, well deserved.
0: Yes, absolutely.
1: And you don't have too many completions this Wednesday.
0: Oh, yeah. Well, good luck, <laughs> mate. Take care. Take care, see ya. Bye.